Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of In the Huddle, episode 95, as a matter of fact. It is Monday, and I am here with my guy, Real Will, and we are back here in the huddle talking about the hottest topics in sports. And, Will, I'm not going to lie. When I woke up today, I was really excited for this show because we have so much to talk about, and we had some breaking news drop this evening. That's going to be the first topic, J.J. Watt. He signs with the Arizona Cardinals. We're going to get all into it, but before we start off with it, man, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I can't complain at all, man. I can't complain. I just had dinner for the day and to sit back, let my food digest and to record with you, Zach, you know, about the topics that's going on in the world, the breaking news that we have to kick off this show. I couldn't be more pleased with how my day went today. Um, other than the fact that I know a lot of people during this quarantine has probably picked up a habit or two. I would say, Zach, I'm not going to lie. One of my habits I've been picking up was eating and I got to stop eating. So, you know, whatever it is to take my mind off of food, whether it's recording for a couple hours, I'm ready. Let's get it going. Awesome, dude. Uh, yeah, it was a great weekend in sports. So much to talk about. But as we mentioned, we'll start it off. J.J. Watt, the former Houston Texan defensive lineman, he agrees to a two-year contract with the Arizona Cardinals. And, Will, I'm going to throw it over to you. When you saw the news, what came to mind? Well, I wouldn't say I was surprised because I remember the topic that we had a couple weeks ago, a couple episodes ago, when we debated about J.J. Watt and what he is prioritizing. I said to you, Zach, I said that J.J. Watt is not going to look at a team and says, this team is the team that's going to get me to a championship. He's not going to look at it that way. I had the feeling that he was going to look at a team where they are up and coming, where they have stars on that team, but they're not just there quite yet. And he's going to look in the mirror and say, I'm that missing piece while getting paid. I literally told you that Lil Shadam is in effect once again. Now, with that being said, the Cardinals wasn't on my radar. But now that this move is official, I will say I like the move. I like the move by him going to the Cardinals. I think they have a, a young and upcoming team. Um, I believe they, you know, offensive side of the ball. You got Kyler Murray. You got D-Hop. We have a lot of talent on that side of the ball. And the defense has talent. It may not be all put together just yet. Um, Rankings-wise, I believe that they are in the middle pack in a lot of these statistics. Uh, they rank 24th in opposing yards per carry. 16 in rushing success rate. 16 in the league. You add Watt to that. Obviously, he makes those splash plays you know, um, on the defensive line. So he's going to definitely give you a boost. You got Chandler Jones over there already. And when you look at it, Watt and Chandler Jones, 1,142 combined pressures are the most among all active pass rushing duels. So they're going to make a lot of noise and cause a lot of havoc on that side of the ball. You still got Buda Baker over there. This is a talented team. They were 8-8 eight and eight last year. Um, I always said from beginning of last year that they were a year or two away. And now you just get a guy in J.J. White. And I can't argue it. Um, Arizona is an attractive place to live. And you get paid along with that. And you get to reunite with D-Hop. I don't know if finish what you started is going to accumulate to a championship. But they're going to be competitive in the NFC West. I know that for sure. So I like the move. Maybe I don't think it was the best move, but I still like it. Yeah, I'll say this about J.J. Watt. I think him going to Arizona is a move that, as you said, it wasn't necessarily on our radar, but now that it happened, it does make sense. Now, with that being said, I am a little bit surprised that he went to Arizona because here's the thing. Arizona is a tough place, man, because that division is loaded. I think that San Francisco is going to be right back in the mix next year. We'll see what their quarterback plans are going forward. You have Seattle. You have the Rams, obviously. So Arizona needs to stay competitive in that division. And obviously getting J.J. Watt to help a defense that, as you mentioned, it was good. It wasn't great last year. That's fine. Chandler Jones actually got hurt mid about four or five games through last year. And you saw just how big of an impact that was on that Cardinal defense. I remember after he got hurt, they really were not able to pick up the slack. And you hope that as the younger guys like an Isaiah Simmons, um, like a Kemdichi who really came on this year, like a Buda Baker, those guys just keep on uh, getting better. But my thing with Arizona is this. They look really good on paper. With J.J. Watt, 
Chandler Jones, Buda Baker, all the talent that we mentioned on the defensive side of the ball. You have Kyler Murray, a young quarterback who's only going to be getting better. Hopkins, all that good stuff. But my issue with Arizona remains Cliff Kingsbury. I don't trust that guy to win and to coach a winning team until I'm not going to, I'm not going to believe it until I see it. And until he proves to me that he could have a winning team, I'm not going to buy the Arizona Cardinal hype just yet. There were many games last year where I watched where his clock management literally cost the Cardinals games. Hopefully he'll be able to learn from that. But obviously, uh, we still have a, he still has a lot to be desired, I think, as a head coach. Obviously, also, Arizona should have been a playoff team last year, man. They were 8-6, and six, and they lost to C.J. Beathard and John Wolford in back-to-back weeks. When you have Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins on your sideline, in my opinion, when you're playing for a playoff spot, that is unacceptable. So, yeah, I think hopefully bringing in J.J. Watt will improve the defense, improve the attitude and the, the perseverance of that locker room. But – Cliff Kingsbury, man, he still has a lot to be desired for me. Yeah, I mean, it's going to fall into the coaching staff's hands. They're going to have to make better decisions. They're going to have to manage the clock better, like you alluded to. You can't have guys on your team, on, on your team, you know, telling you that you need to call a timeout before a field goal kick is being made, you know? So, yeah, Cliff Kingsbury, he's definitely got to step it up. But I like the fact that the Cardinals – or out here being aggressive. This is the second year in a row they made a big splash. Last year, around this time, they acquired D-Hop, you know, a move that we didn't see coming. And once again, a move that we didn't see coming, J.J. Watt. So they're trying to be aggressive, and they're telling the football world that, look, the Rams, you're not the only team in this business, or should I say in this division, that is out here trying to make the big splash plays, that are trying to actually go out their way to try to compete we are too. So you better watch out for us as well. So I like that fact. However, when we get back to J.J. Watt, I'm not going to lie. I would have preferred to go to the Browns and the Bills. The Browns in particular, because they have a lot of stuff where you could look at that team and be like, this is a good situation. Number one, they have a, the best running back duo in the league with Kareem Hunt and um, Nick Chubb. Ground and pound, run the football. They have a good defensive player who's always in the categories of defensive player of the year in Miles Garrett. He plays inside, you play at the end, or vice versa. Number two, you have a young quarterback who is improving and should get better with each year that goes by. And you have star power, OBJ. Who knows if he's going to stay? I don't know, but he's still there as of right now. Jarvis Landry. You have all the ingredients on the Browns that you could have looked at that franchise and say, I'm that missing piece that will get us to a championship. The Bills, another team, a team that made it to the AFC Championship game, a team that I thought would have gave him the best shot to get to a Super Bowl. Like it or not, they was one game away. I felt like they wasn't good enough in the trenches. That's why they didn't beat Kansas City. He could have been that missing piece to be on that side of the ball that gets that team over the hump. But he saw otherwise. Some guys, they prioritize different things. And that's why when everybody was saying he, was, he wanted to go to a team that's going to get him to the Super Bowl, I said, hold up. We don't know that for sure. He could be prioritizing familiarity. Um, you know, D-Hop is over there. How much that had something to do with it. Um, he could be prioritizing family, living. You never know what these guys prioritize. Money. Obviously, he got a, a good payday as well. So, look, it is what it is. He's going to be on the Cardinals, and we have to see how they move going forward. Yeah, dude, let me ask you this. Do you think, you know, Will, I'm a big conspiracy theory guy. Let me throw another one at you, Will. Do you think that um, J.J. Watt signing with Arizona and reuniting with DeAndre Hopkins, his former teammate in Houston, do you think that um, signing and the, the, the decision by him to reunite with a former teammate in Houston, do you think that has anything to do with the fact that maybe, obviously, J.J. Watt could sit here and, you know, he could be Mr. Houston, and we all know how much he's done for that city. We know how much he's been able to do for that organization. But do you think maybe that he wanted to throw a little bit of shade at the Texans? Maybe he wasn't too thrilled like Deshaun Watson, uh, the way things were going on there. So he's going to say, you know what, I saw what New Hopkins was doing in Arizona last year, catching Hail Marys, catching game-winning touchdowns. How about I go there as well and join up and uh, try to win some ball games down in Arizona? Well, I wouldn't rule out that possibility, but I would say if that's 
what went into his thinking, then he got it all twisted. Because I don't think you should want to go to a franchise just to say, all right, yeah, you know, look at me and D-Hop. You know, the guys that you you basically, I won't say got rid of because he partially asked to be released. But in D-Hop's case, he got rid of. I don't think you should go there trying to prove a point, but it's possible. I'm not going to rule that out. But I just think that he looked at that situation, saw that that team was talented. They have the name. They have the talents over there. They just got to piece it together. And he probably felt that, look, D-Hop is already over there. Arizona, who wouldn't want to live out in Arizona? And let's make it happen. So good weather. On top of that, we tend to underestimate the weather and how that comes into play. Nobody seems to want to go to Buffalo. And my question, to flip that, I have a question for you. Speaking of the cold, once again, Green Bay Packers are left out. What is it with the Green Bay Packers that they cannot attract free agents? Because even when Tom Brady was on New England, guys wanted to play in New England. So with, what is it with Green Bay that they cannot get no marquee free agent over there? You know what I think the problem is with the Green Bay Packers? They kind of operate like a major league baseball team that's out of contention. I don't know if you've been following this trend in baseball, but over the last couple of years, the teams that realize they have no shot at winning, they are not spending any money whatsoever in free agency and it's obviously costing them once we get on the field I think when you look at the Packers and just the way uh, that team has been ran over the last couple of years and when we consider the fact that they are the only team in the NFL that has you know the fans as the minority owners and uh, they play at Lambeau Field one of the oldest stadiums in the league I just don't think they operate like a big market team and it costs them no doubt i think that jj watt signing with the green bay packers would have been the first domino of possibly making green bay a place where free agents want to play which is where we both agreed this past season really could have cost the packers yeah i agree i i just think that they don't like to spend you know you have and, and there's a saying out here, scared money don't make money. And if you want to win a championship, at some point you got to spend. Now, I'm not saying spend like the Rams do it, where it's no risk and no biscuit. We don't care what the risk is. We're going to spend. I don't think that's the way to go. But at some point, you have to draft a wide receiver. You have to draft weapons for your quarterback. You have to spend. And I just think they're El Cheapo. And I think that, I don't know if you know this show, but Everybody Hates Chris is one of my favorite shows. And we all know Julius's character. He's a cheap guy. He don't like to spend money. I'm pretty sure if he had a choice of where he wanted to be an owner, it would daggone be the Green Bay Packers because they both don't like to spend money. And that's just what it is. And you know what? I know Kenny C, who's our co-host on the show, who's on vacation right now, He's a great Packers fan. I know he don't want to hear this, but as long as the Packers is not willing to spend and not willing to give Aaron Rodgers even more weapons, they're going to go home. And that's just what it is. All right, so moving on to the next segment of today's show. Will, I'm not going to lie. This is the one topic I have been the most forward to talking about, and it is the Russell Wilson saga and everything that's been going on in Seattle. So the question on the table we have here is, should Russell Wilson want to be traded? And I'm actually going to start this topic off, and I'm going to say this, Will. The other day, I go on Twitter, and I see that Adam Schefter report that Russell Wilson says, yeah, I don't want to be traded, but if I were to be traded, I would want it to be to either the Raiders, the Cowboys, the Saints, or the Bears. And the first red flag here that I got was that if those reports were false. And I don't know if you saw, but KJ Wright, the Seahawks linebacker, came out on Good Morning Football and on Friday, and he said that Russell Wilson will be the Seahawks quarterback next year. He means too much to us. He means too much to the city. If Russell Wilson agreed with KJ Wright, what he said, it would have been very easy for him to go on any show in America and say exactly what KJ Wright said. I'm a Seahawk for life. All of that 
good stuff. So that is my first red flag. And more importantly, I'll say this as well. If Russell Wilson wants to be a winner and he wants to rebrand himself and have more control of everything in Seattle, then I just think he needs to take a deep breath and look at everything around him and say, okay, the last couple of years, it's been tough for the Seahawks to get over the hump. There's no doubt about it. I think that Pete Carroll as a coach could be better. I think their offensive play calling needs to be a little more modernized than you hope with the offensive coordinator, uh, they get, uh, they improve on that. Hopefully their offensive line can improve. So I understand why Russell Wilson is a little bit upset, but with that being said, I don't think he should want to be traded because I think that look at a guy like Tom Brady, your guy, right? The one thing that Russell Wilson and Tom Brady really have in common is that not only are they star quarterbacks, but they are married to a celebrity. I think that is one of the reasons what has made Tom Brady so successful back in his New England days. He was willing to say, okay, I don't have to be the ultimate money maker in the family. That could be my wife. I'll take a little bit of a pay cut and I'll let the team surround me with other guys that are better and could help uh, improve the team. And I think that when you look at Russell Wilson, his wife, Sierra, is even more of a celebrity than he is. And he could have done that same thing, but instead he took that big contract and the Seahawks really haven't been the same since. And one other point I'll make to you, Russ, if the Seattle Seahawks didn't care about your feelings, like you're claiming they don't, you know what you would have right now? Two Super Bowl rings, because the reason why they made you throw the ball was because they wanted to make it look like that you were the reason why they you wanted to hear yeah. that defense. So I think Russell Wilson needs to take a deep breath, look at his situation and say, all right, it's not perfect. We could do better, but I'm happy to be in Seattle. Um, Zach, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't agree with you more in the way how you laid that out. I'm not going to lie. I posted a, a Facebook status and I said that um, a lot of these athletes these days, some of them are ungrateful. And boy, the pushback that I got. But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the fact that I just wanted to have a conversation, you know, with social media heads. It was the fact that I was saying what was on my mind. Look, we have, we live in this era where player empowerment and a lot of movement is going on, which for all intended purposes, I agree with some of the moves. I do agree by a franchise don't do right by you. You shouldn't do right by them. I understand that. And I co-signed that. But within that group, you have some quarterbacks or players and athletes in general, like in the NBA, NFL, that look at what other people is doing. And as soon as something goes wrong within their situation, trade me. I want out. And what happened to the loyalty? When you go back to Russell Wilson over the years with the Seattle Seahawks, number one, you partially alluded to it. They made him. They eased him into the guy that he was. You know, they put a championship-level defense with the Legion of Boom, which ended up becoming the Legion of Doom because they wanted him to be the hero. On a one-yard line, easy, run the football. No, we're going to put the ball in your hand so you can look like the hero. Isn't that the reason why the defense and Russell Wilson collapsed? Isn't that the reason, wasn't that the start of the reason why that dynasty never became a dynasty? It's because to make Russell Wilson feel happy. These are some other moves that they made over the years. Percy Harvin, bringing him in there. Um, Jimmy Graham, they brought him in there. They tried different things to make this guy feel happy. Where his thing is, is control, power, right? What happened to Go Hawks, right? What happened to always putting Seattle first? Now when he got paid that contract, you see his mind start to shift. And that's what happens with a lot of people when they get big money is that they lose sight of what made them them, the humbleness. Now you flat out call your offensive line trash and they supposed to block for you. So when you say that question, Zach, or that's on the monitor, should Russell Wilson want to be traded? No, flip it. Should the Seahawks want to get this guy out of here? Because if he doesn't want to be here, and he want to call our offensive line trash and basically disrespect the coaching staff and the offensive line. You're going to have to talk about getting rid of you yeah. and see what we can get back. Because obviously you saying, oh, oh, yeah, I don't want to be traded. This is not a trade request. But, oh, trade me to the Saints if you do or the Cowboys. I, I would never 
co-sign that. That's not how he's supposed to act at all. Yeah, another thing is, dude, like, if you want to say I am taking winning as my number one priority, that's what makes another reason what makes Tom Brady so good. You know, his brand is literally <laughs> winning Super Bowls, nothing else. Russell Wilson, if he wants to be that guy, you're telling me you're going to go to Dallas. You're telling me you're going to go to Chicago. You're telling me you're going to go to Vegas. Like, those are the teams you want to go to. So I think that when you look at this situation, I understand, Will, as I started off, said when I started off, I understand why Russell Wilson's a little frustrated. I think Pete Carroll needs to be a better coach. I, oh, think, yeah. I think their play calling needs to be more effective. I think that their offensive line and their drafting needs to be better. There's no doubt about it. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that the Russell Wilson situation is the Deshaun Watson situation, you know? There's no, I think Exactly. Two yeah. different things. They're two totally different situations. So uh, I think when we look at the Seattle Seahawks, they're a team that right now uh, I'm not feeling too great about them. I mean, it's hard because their quarterback and their coach, we always used to think that they were on the same page. And we saw that last year, let's not forget this, Will, last year, that, that Seahawk defense that I went on this show and called them a high school defense, I said that. And they really stepped it up the last seven or eight games of the season. But Russell Wilson couldn't get the job done. He fell off the face of and, the earth. And you know what? I remember, you know, a lot of predictions this year on the show, I take credit for. I got right. But one of my, my mishaps was because of Russell Wilson. That messed up what could have been a perfect season of Lil Shadama's predictions. When we sat here, me and you, Debating at the top of our lungs, one of our biggest debates on the show, mid-season point, who was the MVP? I sat here and I went all out for Russell Wilson. I put everything on the line, right? I don't care if I was right or wrong. I put it all on the line for Russell Wilson. I said he was the mid-season MVP. And ever since I went on that rant, nothing has been the same. Everything has been downhill. He turned the ball over. He, he kept turning the ball over, and he didn't play up the par after that. Ever since I went, we went on that debate, he never played the same since. So he got me looking stupid. So, look, it is what it is, man. I just don't think that he is on Tom Brady's level. We can sit here and draw comparisons of what Tom Brady did. Tom Brady won for six before right, he— I get it. Right. No, 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 I get it. I just wanted to say the reason why I brought up Brady is because when you're a young quarterback like Russell Wilson, you strive to be— Anyway, no, I'm talking about for the media. The closely. media is comparing him and what he's trying to do to what Brady's trying to do. And I'm like, Brady won five or six rings before he was able to leave New England and be the general manager and have, you know, um, personnel decisions. Oh, I want Gronk over here. I want Antonio Brown. He worked hard for that. Russell Wilson only won one championship, hasn't won an MVP. So you're not going to be telling me that he deserves to be in Tom Brady's shoes. And I know he was sitting with Seattle and Roger Goodell in that press box and was watching what Tom Brady was doing. But there's levels to this. And Russell Wilson is on the cuffs of that level. Yeah, I do believe that he's right up there, but he's not there yet. So I think he just needs to stay in his place, which is to play football. And to the flip side, let me come at Pete Carroll too, because this is a two-way street. I'm just not going to disrespect Russ and not, you know, bring Pete Carroll off the hook. He, he, he has to evolve his play calling. I do believe that they are better off when Russ is cooking. Me personally, because when your defense is not up to par, when you're able to put up points on the board, then you, you, know, you can win some games. They went 4-1 and one at one point with a terrible defense, with the worst defense in the league. So, yeah, let Russ cook. But at the same time, Russ, when you are giving the keys to the call, you cannot throw an interception on the one look on a one-yard line like you did in the Super Bowl. You can't turn the ball over like you did when he allowed you to cook. He did. Pete Carroll literally said, Russ, all right, fine, you're cooking this year. MVP talk, you're cooking. The ball is in your court, and you turned, you turned the ball over. So at the end of the day, they can't get too egotistic here. I see a lot of Bill Belichick and Tom Brady towards the end of that scenario with Pete Carroll and Russ. It's all about power. Oh, I need to have this. I want to say this. Oh, he has too much power. Stop that. You're on the Seattle Seahawks. Play for the Seattle Seahawks and stop with the mess. All right? And I know J.J. Watt going to the Cardinals and Matthew Stafford going to the Rams don't help his situation because they're all in the same division. But at the end of the day, you need to compete. You just got paid. Brother, just do what you got to do, man. That's all I got to say. Pay it back! 
Absolutely. So we started off today's episode of In the Huddle talking some football, but we are going to focus on some hoops towards the back end as we are entering, as I, as, uh, I like to call it, peak basketball season. Football season has finally come to an end. We are entering spring in a couple months. And our New York Knicks will, for the first time in years, have been playing some awesome, awesome basketball. Tom Thibodeau, Julie. Julius Randle and the boys, they got the job done again. The last two nights getting the win over the Pacers on Saturday and the Detroit Pistons last night. So, Will, I'm going to throw it over to you. Last night, the wins, the Knicks get the win to put them uh, above 500, 18 and 17, and they are currently the number four seed in the East, meaning if the playoffs started today, they would have home court advantage in the first round. So when I say that statement, Will, what comes to mind? Man, a lot of joy, a lot of smiles, you know, a lot of just pride and sometimes tears, you know, because when we haven't gotten used, we haven't been used to this as Knicks fans, man. It's been a long time. So it's almost like tears of joy when you see on social media, Knicks fans leaving MSG celebrating like they daggone won the NBA finals. It just brings joy because there was a lot of negativity over the last couple of years with the Knicks. And I feel like a lot of this negativity is being overshadowed with optimism. Before it was Dolan, Dolan, sell the team, sell the team, sell the team. It was always about James Dolan. And a lot of people, it was almost like, we forgot about him. The hell with him. We don't even mention his name. It's optimism. And I think when you're trying to change the course of a franchise and attract those superstars, you have to turn your franchise around with optimism of all right, there's potential here. And I see that with Julius Randle in particular, R.J. Barrett, you know, he's coming along. Julius Randle, he had to literally take a step back. And what I mean by a step back, I don't mean as far as production. I mean as getting guys around him better, not just getting his stats. I see him, he's out here with assists, 23 points per game, 5.5 assists, 10 rebounds. He's doing it all, and he's feeding others the rock. But at the same time, with the, with the optimism, Zach, there's a little bit of a, a concern with me. And a lot of it has to do with Coach Tibbs. And, and granted, we got to give him credit because he literally came and he changed the organi organization and where they was headed. You know, obviously his defensive mind, you don't play defense, you don't play. It's that simple. And I like that. But the heavy rotation uh, or the lack of going deep in that bench to get guys on the floor. When you have Julius Randle playing 38 minutes, R.J. Barrett, 35 minutes on a back-to-back. -back. I feel like by the time these guys get to the playoffs, they're going to turn to ash because their legs is going to fall off. And I'm worried about that because, yeah, there's optimism now. They're in the fourth seed. But we also got to worry about when they get to the playoffs because they do have a six-game rest road trip in May right before the playoffs with the third toughest remaining schedule. So, yeah, there's optimism, and I like what Tibbs is doing. But with the minutes, with the development of Emmanuel Quickly and other guys, because we all know Tibbs is not a player developmental coach. He's a guy that you got to play defense and you got to be stars. He likes to work with stars. It is what it is. So Emmanuel Quickly, he's only playing 16 minutes last night. That worries me because I want to see him grow. And I don't know if that's going to happen. So with optimism, I'm a little bit like, I'm nervous. Yeah, I think that all of those concerns are totally valid. But at the same time, as Nick fans, we just got to take a deep breath and say, wow, for all of the crazy, awful moments we've been through over the last couple of years, I think what makes this team right now so special is that it literally has come out of nowhere. I remember a couple summers ago, the Knicks uh, missed out on Kevin Durant. They missed out on Kyrie Irving. Uh, and we ended up with Julius Randle. And everyone was making fun of this guy. You know, Julius Randle, that's who the Knicks get. That's the Nets get K uh, KD and Irving. You know, we get Julius Randle. And I've been watching Julius since his days at Kentucky uh, freshman year. And his improvement has been unreal as he's gotten older and older and older it really shows me how much a player could develop now regarding your concern one thing I will say is that the fact that Mitch Robinson and Taj Gibson are injured right now doesn't help the cause I think once we have that healthy 
rotation and the full amount of healthy bodies. We'll see what Coach Tibbs could do. And also, I understand it was a back-to-back. These guys are playing a lot of minutes. But I think right now, as Nick fans, we need to ride that momentum. And let's face the facts a little. Last night, I believe, was a game we had to have because how many times over the last couple of years have the Knicks put together, you know, maybe not as good of a run as they are on right now, but a good run. And they show us some optimism picking up an unexpected win. And then the next thing you know, the following game, they uh, come out and they just lose a game. They have no business they uh, losing. They should win. And I think last night on the road against the Detroit Pistons, if you are a good basketball team like we know the Knicks are right now, that's a game you have to win. And luckily, the boys did come through. And I think right now, we just have to enjoy the ride because if you, you know, you bring up those concerns when we get to the playoffs, maybe those guys are burnt out. Let's just get to the playoffs first and take it one game at a time and watch this team get better. Because if this team could get better and good now, imagine two, three years when Tibbs has fully established the culture. Leon Rose and World Wide West are here for a, a couple of years, and there really is a culture established. I think New York could be a place to play, and I totally agree. It was an awesome thing to see how happy the Knicks fans were after they won the game, celebrating outside Madison Square Garden. You know it, I know it. New York City is a special place when the Knicks are good, and it has been too long. I mean, look, I understand exactly where you're coming from. And like I said, there's a lot of optimism with me. I'm watching Knicks games again. And I wasn't doing that at one point because they were bums and I wasn't watching no bums. But at the same time, man, I just I just want this Knicks team to, when they get to the playoffs, they, they compete. You know, I don't go into the playoffs, you know, and this is just my mindset. And I'm pretty sure the Knicks fans, yeah, we have not been spoiled with a lot of winning. But we just don't want to make the playoffs. We want to compete. And I feel like by the time, the way how Tibbs is using these guys, it might be before the playoffs where we, we may start sputtering. And who knows where that sputter can lead to? Because even though we're in a fourth place, we're in fourth place in the Eastern Conference, we're only 18 and 17. That could shift. You know, the Wizards is, is on, on the rise. A lot of teams is coming up. The gap is not too big. So we can start sputtering. We have a, a West Coast trip in May, right before the dance, literally right before the dance, a six-game road trip. We know we could sputter, and it, it could be a little, you know, the wheels come off by the time the playoff comes. So that's my only concern. I wish he would go a little bit more deeper into the bench and not pay, you know, play guys too much. The game was a blowout yesterday for the most part, and you still have Julius Randle, who you brought back into the game. He doesn't need to be in the game. The game was already in hand. So there's a little things like that that worries me. But Knicks fans, I'm happy. I'm wearing this shirt. I have the Knicks on my wall, as you can see. And there's optimism. And hopefully we show that we can compete so we can be able to do what we need to do, which is attract superstars and marquee free agents to play for our organization. That's the only way we're going to win in the NBA. It's a star-driven league, and we need stars. So we got to prove that we can win without them so they could be wanting to join the ship. Absolutely. It kind of reminds me a little bit of the uh, Brooklyn Nets and the run they went on two years ago and how kind of out of nowhere they had this young group of players that were developing and getting better. And I think the cool thing about this Nick team is you have the young guys that are really producing right now, like your Julius Randle, like your RJ Barrett, like your Mitchell Robinson when he's healthy. But then you have the other guys, uh, like you mentioned quickly, and Obi Toppin, guys that I think are as rookies, they're only going to be getting better with the more time they get on the basketball court so it's a good time to be a Nick fan I'm feeling optimistic and uh you know that West Coast trip before the playoffs it's going to tell us a lot and uh yeah we'll see how we do yes son shout out to shout out to Liam Rose um you know for the higher and, and you know turning it around it started with him it started with Leon Rose and then we had to get the right head coach to try to change the course of the franchise and we did just that I believe with Tibbs even with the crit- the criticisms that a lot of us may have with him he sure done his job so far you know and with the minutes with the minutes concerned, it doesn't affect Tibbs because we all know as a coach, you got to win. So it's not about, oh, you know, minutes. Uh, nah, you don't, you can't look for it when you're a coach. You have to look now because you may not have a job. So I understand it from his perspective. 
Okay, well, so moving on to the next segment of today's show, the NBA All-Star Game. It's going to be coming up, and we have the list of All-Stars in front of us. There are so many talented players that are going to be making the trip to Atlanta, and we thought it would be a good idea to have a little bit of an in-the-huddle draft. We're going to each pick five starters, each going to pick our own set of reserves, and we are going to see after the All-Star Game whose team turned out better. So uh, I don't know how you wanted to do this, who has the first pick or what, but I'm ready to go. Uh, you can start us off with the first pick. You can go right ahead. All right, so my first pick, I got to do it, the captain, LeBron James. And why you? Why would you pick LeBron James at number one? Oh, okay. So LeBron, I just can't sit here, Will, and look you in the eyes and say I'm going to pick anyone over LeBron. He is the guy that at his age, what he's doing is just remarkable, putting up the numbers. He is being as important of a piece to a team as he is right now at this stage in his career is incredible. Obviously what he's been able to do leading the Lakers to the title last year. Now we're going to get into the Lakers and what uh, we think their future holds a little bit later in the show. But in terms of the all-star game, LeBron's going to be the captain. He's going to want to ball out. Give me the King as the number one pick. My number one pick since you took the King, give me the Greek Prince of Greece. Give me Giannis um, the reason why I say that is because Giannis, you know, he, sh you know, he played good. He's been playing good all year. I know there's a lot of questions about him in the clutch, in the clutch time and when it gets to the playoffs. But we all know in the All-Star game, nobody plays defense. And obviously, Giannis, nobody can stop him if you're not playing defense. So give me Giannis. I think, you know, he's going to have a lot, of, a lot of good production in this All-Star game. I'm taking Giannis, number one. Now, since I got the first pick, it's only fair for me to give you the third pick, and then we'll go back and forth from there. Okay. Um, the next pick I'm going to go with – wow, this is a lot, of, a lot of talent in the NBA. Give me – give me Luka. Give me Luka. I'll take you Luka Dantage. You know, playmaker, I mean, he's been balling all year. Obviously, the Mavs, the way how they, they are right now, they haven't been living up to expectations. And part of it is is Kristaps. You know, he hasn't emerged as that second guy. And I don't believe he is a second guy. Maybe a third guy. But he hasn't been putting up on the defensive end. But the bright spot, obviously, is Luka, who's getting comparisons to Larry Bird now. Luka, he's just that playmaker. He makes all the guys around him better. And his stat sheet doesn't need to be glamorous for him to have an impact on the game. I'm taking Luka. All right, so with my next pick, I am actually going to go with the guy that so far this season, watching all of these teams, I've had so much fun watching Steph Curry come back and just ball out each and every night. He is the best shooter I've ever seen. We all know this Warrior team, it's really nothing special besides him. I think we could all agree if Curry was not a member of the Warriors, this team would not be a playoff team. But when he's on the court, special things happen. Uh, I'm going to pair him with LeBron. I think he's going to want to ball out in the All-Star game since he didn't play last year. Give me Steph Curry as my number two pick. I guess we flipping the rotation again. Yeah, all you. Oh, all right. Um, yeah. The next person on this list that I'm going to take, give me the big fella, Joel Embiid. I'll take Joel Embiid. You know, um, listen, Joel Embiid, to be honest with you right now, as it stands today, he's my MVP of the league. Um, you know, the the 76ers are number one in the conference in the East, and they've been playing good, and he's been balling. You know, he got him a couple of triple doubles, and my main concern was his injury history, and right now he's he's available. You know, he was out for a little bit, wasn't a big, a, a big substantial amount of time, and he's been balling. I like his shot blocking. He could get to the rim. He's a paint beast. He can obviously post up. So give me Joel Embiid. All right. So with my next pick, I am actually going to go with Kawhi Leonard, the guy who I think is the best defensive player in the NBA. And the Clippers, I think, Will, are a team that is very interesting. I think that watching the Clippers, I know they lost yesterday, great game against the Bucs, but I've watched the Clippers many times this year, and I say, maybe this team could be different than last year's squad. They have some chemistry. People kind of forgot about them. I think the Clippers are going to be a team to watch. I think that 
even after an awful, 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 awful playoff performance, people forget how good Kawhi Leonard is and how effective he could be in one series. Give me the claw as my third starter. Wow, we're getting down to nitty-gritty here. I'm going to take – give me Jason uh, – give me Jason Tatum. Give me Jason Tatum. I started to go with, uh, with my other guy, but give me Jason Tatum here, man. You know, um, obviously – Obviously, with Jason Tatum, man, on the Celtics, bro, you know, he's always going to give you production. You know, he reminds me of Kobe a little bit, and obviously, we all know he likes to get to his spot. That's his main forte, and I believe we will be able to get to his spot because ain't nobody going to be playing defense anyway. So give me my guy, Jason Tatum, um, on my team. All right, moving on to my next pick. I am going to have to go with the guy who I think could be purely the most skilled player in the NBA, and since you took Embiid, I'm going to have to match it with my big man, the Joker. I don't think there's a player in the NBA that I have more fun watching them play than this guy, man. His court vision as a big man is insane. I really have never appreciated the art of passing in the paint more than I do when I watch Jokic play. The run him and Jamal Murray led the Nuggets to last year was incredible. They're in a tough Western Conference right now. I think they're starting to feel those effects of losing a guy like Jeremy Grant and how effective he was, plus uh, how late they played into the bubble last year. I think maybe they could be in the market for a big-time trade. They have some young assets. I think uh, Jokic will be my next pick. Jokic is a hell of a passer for a big man, and he's been – Balling since day one. Since day one, he's been balling. And even when um, Jamal Murray couldn't get it together, he still was, you know, averaging triple doubles. And obviously, they, you know, Michael Porter was out due to COVID, and he still held that team down. He actually turned it up a notch this year. So that's a good pick. But, but um, sorry about that. I don't know what just happened with the connection. But um, I'm, I'm surprised to see Kyrie Irving still available. Um, I was shocked. So I'm going to take Kyrie Irving, man. He's the most fun player in the, NFL, in the NBA to watch. Excuse me, the NBA to watch because he's so talented. He's so gifted. The ball handling, he's, a, he, you know, he's also a playmaker too. He also is a playmaker. He can find you with some good looks because he, the gravity that he pulls with his handles. Um, look, give me Kyrie Irving, man. Definitely got to take Kyrie Irving. I want him on my team any day of the week. Mm -hmm. So that will leave me with Bradley Beal. And I just wanted to say, because Bradley Beal is the last pick in our draft, I don't want to diminish any of his talents. He's a phenomenal player, dropping 46 on the Celtics last night. And I appreciate that he wants to stay in Washington and win. It's not like that Wizards franchise has done anything over recent years, but he's committed uh, to be a Wizard. And he is one of the most uh, fun offensive players. He is just a bucket, man. That dude gets buckets. Is He makes it look too easy. Bradley Beal is a phenomenal player. And over the last two, three years, I don't think my opinion has changed more of a player than Bradley Beal, man. The number of tough clutch jump shots he makes is incredible. You and me both. Um, my stock in Bradley Beal has been up tremendously the last two seasons. And we cannot argue the guy being a starter. I'm glad he's starting to get the credit that he surely deserves, leading the league in scoring and also just being a walking bucket. And, and obviously, we all know who's going to get the ball in crunch time situations is Bradley Bill. He's still able to, you know, continue to do what he do, which is get a bucket. And that's what he is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So before we start drafting our reserves, I just wanted to make a quick correction to our sheet. Anthony Davis, he's not going to be playing in the game. Devin Booker announced the replacement starter. So if you want to draft D-Book, he is on the table. All you. Okay. Glad for that correction right there. Um, so all-star reserves here. Wow, this is a lot of talent, man. Wow. Give me, with the first pick of the reserves, wow. Give me my guy, James Harden. Give me James Harden. I'll take James Harden. Um, the more I thought about it, I'm like, this is not even a debate. James Harden, to be honest with you, bro, he's one of the top players. He asserted himself um, top five. Top five. I had questions whether he was top five or not. He was six, seven prior to this year. He's in the top five. Simply because not only was, you know, a lot of people talked about him getting the keys on the Rockets, and he has the keys to the car. So, obviously, the stats is going to come with it. But even on the Nets, he's showing his value. You know, even with Kevin Durant being out, 
he's still able to get guys involved. He's clearly the best passer on that team. And it was a reason why Kyrie Irving looked to the guy or Steve Nash probably. It was Steve Nash's decision to say, look, you are primary ball handler and you are point guard. He's literally a point guard, and he makes so much people around him better. James Harden, definitely, I'm taking his guy. All right, so that's a great pick with James Harden. I've been super impressed with the season he had. So you take one great guard. I'm going to have to match you with Dame Willard. Uh, this is another guy who every time I watched him play, he's so smooth. And I understand, like, he hasn't won – a lot in the playoffs and in order to improve his legacy before he retires, he's going to have to do a little more of that. But I similar to Bradley Beal respect how much he loves Portland and how loyal he is to Portland. And he is a guy that could just put up crazy numbers at any point at any time. His clutch gene is unreal. Give me the Dame as my next pick. Dame is the most clutch player in the NBA, and I have no problem saying that. I can go on all day for anybody that want to debate with me. And once again, I started off the segment where we talked about Russell Wilson with loyalty and how there is no loyalty. Bradley Bill, Dame Dollar. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to mention y'all when I said there is no loyalty because clearly with these two brothers, they still trying to hold on to that loyalty tradition. Absolutely. All you. All right. The next guy I'm going to take from the reserves here. I'm going to go with my guy. Wow. I'm, a, I'm going to take CP3. I'm going to take – I'm going to take CP3. I'm going to take CP3. I'm going to let him be my facilitator. Look, everywhere CP3 goes, he gets – you know, he, his team gets better. His team gets better. We saw OKC where they were after he left. We saw the Suns where they were before he got there. And for people who saying or have a problem with him being in the All-Star game, there's something wrong with you because he literally took that team and made them a top five team in the Western Conference, you know, a top six team. Um, I forgot where they rank right now, but they right up there. And CP3, his effect is crazy, and it's not being talked about enough, the CP3 effect. I like Chris Paul. Floor general makes everybody around him better. Uh, yeah, so one other uh, quick correction I didn't realize. So with um, Kevin Durant also being out, DeMontis Sabonis uh, of the Pacers is going to replace Tatum as the reserve, so we'll add him. My next pick is going to be another guard out west, from the Utah Jazz, Donovan Mitchell. And I've been super impressed with what Donovan has been able to do this season as he really, for the first time this season, has shown me that he could be the best player on a really, really good team. And Donovan has been playing – at an elite level since his rookie year. So the expectations have been super high. Like, Lil, this is only Donovan Mitchell's fourth year in the league. You would think, right, he's been around a little longer than that. But, yeah, this yeah. is only year four for him. So his improvement is really, really fun to watch. He's getting better. And I think for the first time, I feel comfortable having him as a leader of my team. His season has been super impressive. I love what the Jazz have done. We'll get into them a little bit later. But I'm going to have to go with Donovan as my next pick. Yeah, Donovan has stepped it up over the course of the year. When the season started, I thought he was just trying to facilitate more after what happened in the bubble when he was going off. He started this year saying, I'm going to facilitate more. And when Shaq called him out, I guess that must have woke him up because he said, I right, forget the facilitating. Yeah, I'm going to facilitate still, but I'm also going to get mine. And that's exactly what he's been doing. Um, that's a good pick. I, I started to go with him too. I started to go with him. Um, I'm going to go with Zion Williamson next. There was a reason why I took CP3 and why I'm taking Zion next. It's because I want to see them lobs. You know, part of the all-star game and what's what makes the all-star game fun to watch, other than guys not playing defense so you're going to get a lot of scoring, is seeing alley-oops, seeing them big splash plays. And getting a guy like Zion in the all-star game, you're going to see those big splash plays. And I think that's why he's there. Some people question why he was Overserved. Well, that's why. Because they want to. They want that entertainment. They want. He's not a dunk contest. All right. Well, your dunk contest is in the All Star game. And now you have CP3 on my team, who's going to be finding him. Yes, sir. I'm going to take Zion. No question about it. He's been balling this year on the Pelicans as well. Um, and there hasn't been no restrictions with his minutes this year, which is a good thing to see with a talent like that. 
Yeah, he's been super impressive. I think he's done a really good job doing the best he could to live up to the expectations. Obviously, uh, still only in year two. We'll see how he progresses. My next pick is going to be the other guard in Phoenix, Devin Booker. And the fact that this guy didn't get voted onto the team to begin with, I think, is just a embarrassment, man. Like, this guy, you can't sit here with a straight face and tell me this guy isn't one of the 12 best players in the Western Conference. And I got the argument last year when people were saying, you know, he puts up great numbers, but his team isn't winning. The Suns, I think, are legitimately one of the three or four uh, best teams in the Western Conference. I've been really impressed with what uh, Coach Monty Williams has been able to do. Chris Paul as well. I'm going to go with the book as my next pick. Um, Devin Booker, you know, not getting the nod to get in initially until there was an injury caused a lot of controversy and disrespect. And granted, I do believe Booker is an offensive bucket getter. But at the same time, you know, the flip side, who is you going to take out? And I just think CP3's effect on that team is a little bit more impactful than Booker, especially when you think about Booker be- missing a couple games um, due to an injury. But it, Booker's still a talent, still a special talent, good pick. Um, the next guy I'm going to get here on this list um, as we move on, I'm going to go with, give me, Ju- give me Zach. Give me Zach. Give me Zach Levine. I'm going to take Zach Levine. Um, this is a guy that's another guy that I'm glad he's starting to get some of the recognition that he deserves playing for the Bulls. You know, he's clearly they go to option. Um, Kobe White was supposed to be that guy. They were supposed to be a little bootleg version of Dame and CJ out there in the backcourt. And obviously that has failed tremendously. I thought Kobe White would have took um, bigger strides than he did this year. And it's all Zach Levine. It's the Zach Levine show in um, Chicago. And the brother has been playing great. He has been putting up good numbers as well. I'm going to take Zach Levine here. Mm -hmm. So with my next pick, I am going to have to go. I'm going to have to go with Jalen Brown of the Boston Celtics. I think that even though the Celtics have been one of the more disappointing teams in the NBA so far this season, I think Jalen Brown has really been a guy that has shown off the improvement he has made, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Jalen has always been a lengthy defender, a guy that you're going to put on the other team's best player. Uh, but he has really exceeded expectations. When the Celtics took him at number three behind Ben Simmons, behind uh, Brandon Ingram, people thought that was a little bit of a controversial pick. At the time, people wanted uh, Buddy Heal. They wanted Dragon Bender. But I think Jalen Brown's uh, development on the offensive side of the ball has been really good to see. I'm happy he's getting a little bit of a larger role in Boston with Kemba Walker taking a little bit of a backseat, Marcus Smart uh, being out, and Gordon Hayward no longer there. Uh, I'm happy Jalen got the all-star recognition he deserves, so I'm going to have to go with JB. I'm not going to need too much time to think about this one. I'm going to take Paul George next. Um, I think he's having a good year this year. Obviously, he you know missed time due to injury, but he was having a hell of a year. I just hope when they get to the playoffs that he don't go MIA like he did last year. I, I'm really hoping for that because they surely going to need his services in the playoffs along with Kawhi and along with a point. They need a point. The Clippers, to be honest with you, if they want to get to the championship, if they want to get to the finals, they need a point. They need a floor general that's going to be able to facilitate. You can't have these guys going up and getting buckets. You need a facilitator. But poor George having a great year. I'm going to take poor George. Yes. So we spoke a lot about the Knicks and how great of a story they've been. I'm going to take my guy, Julius Randle, the improvement he's made, uh, as you mentioned earlier in the show, facilitating, uh, getting other guys involved has been super impressive. I'm going to have to go with Julius. The next guy that we have here, I think there's only two options left, if I'm not mistaken. Um, the two sentences left here. Um, I'm gonna go give me. Well, actually, uh, we got we got three. We got um, Gobert, we got Sabonis, and we got Ben Simmons, and we got Vucevic too. So we got and four. Vucevic, yeah, four, yeah. Um, give me, give me Nikola Vucevic. Give me Nikola Vucevic. I like with um, matter of fact, scratch that. Give me Devonte Sabonis. Give me Sabonis. It's always a bonus when you got Sabonis on your team. Look, I thought that he should have been the one that was a reserve from Jump Street, but um, because of what he's doing on the paces, literally the usage. That's one of the guys that have, have high usage across the league with his team. 
him and Brogdon, because of the injuries of Karis LeVert and TJ Warren, increases his usage along with Brogdon. So he's been performing all year. He's been getting rebounds. He's getting steals. He wasn't no, primarily known for a guy to get you a lot of steals, but he's doing that as well. He's just an all-around playmaker this year. He's doing it on all sides of the ball. Give me some bonus. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to take Ben Simmons next. I know this guy has been <laughs> under a lot of scrutiny, rightfully so, but he still is a very skilled basketball player. I'm not going to ask him to shoot. I don't think my team's going to need that. So I'll take Big Ben with my next pick. If you need him to shoot, you're going to be ass out, Zach. <laughs> yeah, but, um, all right, so the next guy I'm going to go with is I'm going to go with Vucevic over here. Um, Orlando, guy from Orlando, he's been doing good things this year as well. Um, he's been a playmaker this year as well. He's been getting a lot of points as well. So give me Vucevic. So the last pick, Mr. Corona himself, Rudy Gobert. <laughs> It was a good run for Rudy. And, uh, yeah, those are our all-star teams. So, Will, before we end today's show, I want to do one more quick NBA segment with you. We are now officially halfway through the season, just about. But there – Real quickly, Zach, do you want to – I got the list written down in case we want to go over the team so everybody knows. Go for it, yeah. They can decide. All right, so my team, I got Luka, Giannis, Embiid, Jason Tatum, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, CP3. Zion, Zach, Paul George, Sabonis, and Nikola Vucevic. That, that's my team. And, Zach, you have Steph, Curry, LeBron, Ka- Kawhi, Jokic, Bradley Bill, Dane Dollar, um, Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brown, Julius Randle, and Ben Simmons. Those are our teams right there. And Rudy. Yeah. And Rudy Gobert. All right. So those are our teams. What you guys decide uh, who has the edge Moving on to the last and final segment of today's show, we are now just about halfway done with this NBA season. And, Will, I feel like going into this NBA season, after what the Lakers were able to do in the bubble last year, they have LeBron, they have AD, uh, they got better, I thought, at least, in the offseason. And a lot of people were going into the season saying, okay, it's the Lakers to lose, no one could beat them. Uh, But all of a sudden – They're starting to have some legitimate threats. We saw the Brooklyn Nets took my advice. They said, hey, if we're not going to win a championship, if we're going to try to win a championship anytime, it's got to be now. They went to get James Harden. You look at the Utah Jazz, the basketball they've been playing has been super impressive. The Clippers, as I mentioned, have been improving. You have the Bucs trying to get over the hump. You look at Philadelphia. They've been one of the better teams in the East. So I'm going to ask you, Will, are there any one of those teams that stand out in either a good way or a bad way that you feel strongly about in saying either this team is a contender or, okay, this team has no shot at winning? Well, I would say the Nets, I got I, I to gotta look at the Nets, man. What they did with Kevin Durant being out, I'm only losing one game in that stretch, I believe. Um, they, they showing that, look, <laughs> Kevin Durant, is a great talent. Probably the best player in the league, I think. If I had to do a ranking, I still think he's the best player in the league, um, even with that Achilles injury. And they still winning games without him. So just imagine if that brother is inserted into the lineup where you have to worry about Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. When you have James Harden on the floor as a floor general, because he pulls a lot of gravity, it allows Kyrie Irving to be free and do what he do, which we all know what he can do. And Kevin Durant as well, you know, and Kevin Durant doesn't need the ball in his hand. He can move without the ball and be effective. So you just have so much star power and you have the guys in the rotation guys that you put in there like a Shamit. That's a good three-point shooter that you that could give you three-point shooting. Joe Harris, he could, he could give you three-point shooting. And you never know which role player day it's going to be. If it's going to be the Joe Harris day outside of the big three. If it's going to be the Bruce Brown day. If it's going to be the Jeff Green day. Um, once they get a center, uh, a center that can get the rebounds, because I think DeAndre Jordan is finished. I, I really do. Pack him up. He's garbage. Get that trash out of here. Once you get a, yourself a center, whether it's in the buyout market, you got Boogie Cousins that just got released by the Rockets. You pick him up if you want to as well. Um, maybe an Andre Drummond. You could find out a way to work that. I don't know by trade, because I don't know who you're giving up. But if he somehow falls into the buyout market, there's options. JaVel McGee, there's options that you can fill that void at center. And once you do that, I think there's no team, and I'm saying this confidently, where with a confident smile, 
that's going to be that next team. I think it's their championship to lose. What about wow. you? Yeah, man. I mean, it's hard not to be impressed when you watch the Brooklyn Nets team. They're, they've done a great job this season. But, dude, I want to talk about the Utah Jazz. And I think it's fair to assume that no one really thought before the season started that they would be here the team with the best record in the NBA playing phenomenal basketball. And I do think that a series with them and the Lakers or them and the Clippers, like it's coming. I don't think this team is a fluke. I think that I feel very comfortable assuming that this team is going to be able to win a series or two. I watch them every night. They win just about every night. They're that good. But the ultimate question is, are they going to be able to get over the hump of beating a star like LeBron or beating a star uh, like Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers and then ultimately winning a championship? I don't necessarily know if they're going to be able to do that. But one thing I will say is this. We have to stop with this, oh, if the Jazz and Lakers played, Lakers in five. No, the Jazz are too good. They're going to have fans in the building. And I understand that Anthony Davis has been hurt and that's maybe one of the reasons why the Lakers have been struggling over the last couple of games. But when I watch the Lakers play basketball and when I watch the Jazz play basketball, my eyes tell me the Jazz are the better team. So with that being said, I'm not going to be shocked uh, if the Jazz come out here and beat the Lakers in a playoff series. Uh, with that being said, you have LeBron, you have AD. Obviously, the Lakers are going to give them their best shot. But I'm tired of everyone sitting here and acting like, oh, the Lakers are a, a sure thing. It's not the NBA of you know three years ago when the Warriors were out here dominating. I think that a series – could go down to the wire between them and the Clippers and the Suns and all those other teams uh, in the West. So I think it's going to be a competitive Western Conference. Um, to your point, I think that, first of all, I'm going to take an another, you know, round of applause for myself. I thought that the, the Jazz, I always believed in the Jazz this year. Now, granted, I'm not going to sit here and lie to the people and say, I thought they was going to be a number one seed. I did not see that coming. But I definitely had them the three seed in the Western Conference in my projection. So I'm not too far off. And the main reason why was because in the bubble, that big series where they was up 3-1 against the Nuggets, we all know that was a hell of a series. They showed me a lot. They showed me that they was a good team. They showed me that Mike Conley, who struggled to fit in that offense, you know, throughout the whole year, he started doing some things. And mind you, they didn't even have Bondanovich, and they didn't have all their pieces together. So I said to myself, that looked like a team that was a good team without guys that were missing. So now you add those guys into the equation. Let's say Mitchell, um, Donovan Mitchell takes another step forward. Now you got yourself a, a contender, top seed in the eat in the rest. And that's sure enough. That what it, that's what it was. And they played good ball. They played good the ball. Um, Rudy Gobert, obviously his blocks. Obviously we know he can get to the paint. He's not gonna give you a lot scoring wise, but. I just still think that there is something to be said that stars win in the, in, in the NBA. And the Lakers got two of them. Two superstars, correction, not stars, superstars. And they always find a way to win. I've seen a lot of teams over the last couple of years that I thought had an excellent team that were probably had a better team than LeBron's team, but LeBron had the star power, and they just got rolled over. You know, um, the Blazers, I remember saying the Blazers was going to take them to six. Was going to take them to six. They, got, they took them five, and a lot of those games wasn't close. So. But, 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 but the thing is, though, there's, I think – exactly. I think there's a difference between all the teams you're going to name, right? You know, I sat here last year, same thing as you, right? The Blazers, the Rockets, like the Heat even, like all these teams. I thought they could give the Lakers a legit run. But I'm telling you, man, I think this Jazz team, when you watch them on a nightly basis, man, like I, I just see that they are – their chemistry is just so on point. Yeah, they got and good they chemistry. Always, yeah, and they always uh, seem to be on the same page. And I know that they're going to come ready to play each and every night. They're a well-coached team. I obviously love what uh, Donovan Mitchell has been doing. And, you know, we'll see. I, I just think that the Jazz are in a different group than those teams. I think we would be disrespecting them if we're going to sit here and say, oh, eight-seed Portland couldn't beat the Lakers, so why would the one-seed Jazz? I don't use that. I don't idea. think it's not is is disrespect. I just think it's history. And you know, we see it time and time again. It, it will have to take it happening for us to actually end up sipping that Kool-Aid. You know, I think the Jazz are more of a great team. We all know they're a great team. Nobody's uh, underestimating them, but we have to see them, you know, go toe to toe with the Lakers in a seven game series and take it to seven games. I personally think the Clippers have a better shot 
because they have that star power. And look, I know the Jazz, they play, you know, they play better as far as the team compared to the Clippers. I think the Clippers, they have a lot of ISO and the Jazz, they move the ball. But in the NBA, it's just so different from other sports. Whereas stars always win in the NBA, always. For the last decade, it's stars, stars, stars. And um, I think the Clippers have the star power and the defense to take the Lakers to seven games or even win, you know, especially if they get themselves a point. They get themselves a point, I think that's 50-50 Lakers and Clippers coming out the West, me personally, because, you know, you're going to take some of that pressure off PG and Kawhi to make plays. So I like the Clippers. I like the Clippers. I think the Clippers is right up there, right up there in that mix, to be honest with you. And I think the Jazz is the third team. If you're talking about your three best West teams, forget about the record, Lakers, Clippers, and Jazz for me. Yeah, so uh, the playoffs are going to be here before we know it. March Madness coming up a little. Just wanted to say thank you so much for joining me today. We went on for an hour plus. Always great recording with you on a Monday. And, uh, yeah, we'll be in touch, all right? Yes, sir. Until the next time, y'all. Like and subscribe. Thanks for listening. Yes, sir.